Jesus. Let's pray. Father, you've already heard the words penned by the Apostle Paul on the unity of the church that's bound in our Savior, Jesus. Father, help us as we strive to be your people, your community of people. Help us to understand in a new and a profound way what it means to be in Christ, what it means to be in Christ in community. Amen. For this series, the covenant has given us some good resources that we'll be using during these services. So some of our messages, some of the things that we use, I just want you to know that they come from the great resources they provided so that the covenant congregations across our land will be unified around a common theme of our mission priorities. In a culture, there's a lot of, thing that, a lot of things that unify people. Many of us went to the great Minnesota get-together, the fair. That's an amazing thing. It brings people together, and it's kind of the pride of our state. We're known for that. I guess, Alicia, on your Facebook page, you re re recorded that you had been to the fair three times. Is that right? Now you belong. <laughs> now you belong. Sports teams unite. We unite around sports teams. I hear a lot of talk this season about the unity of the Vikings. And they also have great talent, but they also have unity, and that can go a long way. I hope not too far, but it can go a long way. <laughs> Many of you wear Vikings gears. Mark Cassaris over there has a beautiful purple. I wore my green and gold right there. That's all I'll show. <laughs> How about that Minnesota miracle last year? Colleen's a Bear fan. I'm a Packer fan. We even appreciated that incredible event, the Minnesota, that miracle of uh, the football game last year. Whenever I walk in the mall or places, Holly just kind of says, please do not talk to Packer fans. Every time I see one, <laughs> it's kind of the, you know, it's a family, the family of the Packers. And I have to go up and say, what a great hat, what a great outfit you're wearing. There's something special. There is something special. And also, sometimes we share our woes about what happened to our quarterback last year on that dirty hit by your player. <laughs> We're not bitter. We're not bitter. <laughs> tragedies unite us. In our country, we've had many tragedies. Last year, people dealing with terrible flooding, hurricanes, fires, uh, shootings. I guess there's another one that just happened. My son-in-law, uh, my uh, son-in-law's brother just experienced a terrible ranching incident, accident that changed his life forever. And it's amazing to see the incredible response of people who rallied around them to provide resources and to provide care. Even in the midst of some of the most difficult things we experience in life, there's something that God brings out of that that can unite us. The Church of Jesus Christ is also a place where throughout its history at times it's shown great unity. It's great disunity, but unity. Particularly at the experience of the death of Jesus and the subsequent resurrection. After that, there was an incredible dynamic we see in Acts 2 of the church coming together around Christ, the reality of Jesus, the good news, and what that meant for their Christian community. So there's many examples that we can lift up how people experience unity. It seems to be such, however, elusive quality in our world as in all quarters of society these days, we seem to be tearing each other apart the cries for unity are drowned by the bitterness and hostility towards one another. And I want to just encourage us and challenge us this day about the unity that we can experience in the church 
of Jesus Christ, who is our Savior. Our primary and most important kingdom in our life is his kingdom. Paul has many instances in his writings where he encourages the church to be united, particularly in Christ. The church that Paul appreciated the most was the church at Philippi. He had a special akinness to them. He commends this church for many things. But at the end, in chapter 4, he has two people who are at odds with each other. And it must have been significant because it affected the church. And he urges these two people to get along. He urges them to get along for the sake of the church. I think the most unifying passage we find, however, in the the writings of the New Testament is in Galatians chapter 3. And I want to read this to you. This passage, I think, in my mind, serves as a unifying passage for this whole series. So in Christ Jesus, we are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is a great passage on unity. How are we going to achieve this unity in the body of Christ, the church? It's not easy. He encourages us to make every effort, every effort to achieve unity. But we are, can be united around a cause. We can be united around us as a group, the church. We could be united around an event that we're going to do. And that's all good and well. But there's something that unites us as Christians that the world only longs for. The source and basis of our unity. It's a game changer for the church. It is Jesus, our Savior. Now, sometimes when people throw that out, all the things can be solved or everything in Jesus. But folks, the reality is all that we are and all that we become individually and in the context of the church is all wrapped up in what Christ has done for us. We are children of God through Christ. We are clothed as Paul says, in Christ Jesus. We are inseparably linked together in Christ. Do you hear that? We're inseparably linked together with Jesus Christ. In Paul's writings, he talks often again about being in Christ. Timothy Keller, commenting on Galatians chapter 3 passage, says, human distinctions lose their significance in this passage. Regardless of race, profession, or gender, all who come to Jesus must come all in the same way through faith, and through repentance. With all distinctions erased, all believers are united in Christ. But not all distinctions are erased on a human level. And that's where we struggle, isn't it? On the human level. But theoretically, and what he sees emerging in the church, I think he's absolutely right. He goes on to say, we are Christ's followers before we are anyone else or anything else. All barriers that separate us and separate people in the world, the warring factions for the church come down in the reality of Christ. I think he's so right. You see, in the ancient world, there was hostilities between Jews and Gentiles. Terrible hostility. There were racial, there were cultural barriers because of these two groups who were at war with each other. The Jews hated the lifestyle of the Gentiles. The Gentiles hated the exclusivity of the Jews. But there is no place in the church of Jesus Christ for these barriers. We accept each other without one group feeling inferior 
and another group feeling superior. They had a distinction between those who were free and those who were enslaved or slaves. They had in Roman society those, the few, the haves, and the rest were the have-nots. There were class barriers. There were economic stratification. There was a divide. But this divide should not be something in the church. One should not be made feel inferior because they have less economic means. Or anybody should boast or flaunt their economic superiority to lord over each other. One of the strongest barriers of the ancient world was between male and female. It was the most explosive and controversial of the day. The place of women in Roman society was deplorable. The Apostle Paul lifts up the value and dignity of women involved in the life of the church, way beyond what the culture would even envision. Equally gifted, equally able as men. But I think in our society today, there's a deeper division. There's deeper than racial. It's deeper than economics. It's deeper than gender. This barrier is there. It's a great divide, and it stresses us every day, and that's the political divide. The divide between Republicans and Democrats, independents, huge divide. Much, there was much political intrigue in the ancient Roman world. The greatest barrier seen in American culture today in the landscape is political differences. But never, never should the deep political differences we share, even in this place, divide us who have a common identity in Christ. Our unity in Jesus Christ supersedes all, all of our political differences because we are one in Christ. The passage that was read from Ephesians chapter one or four, I'd like to put up on the screen. It's an amazing, amazing passage as he talks about make every effort for unity in the spirit. Be completely humble, gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. And I'll be honest with you, there's something that really upsets me. It upsets me how peoples and Christians misread the Apostle Paul. This is a sidebar. I heard a seminary graduate some time ago, not from the graduates of our place here, but said, I hate the Apostle Paul and I hate his writings. This is a seminary graduate. I hate Paul and I hate his writings. Oh my gosh. That's a big part of the sacred word of the New Testament. We've got to wait a minute. Can we pick and choose in the sacred word what we like and what we dislike? It seems today we superficially look at the Bible and we don't study it carefully. We look through a cultural and political and sociological, sociological lens to pick up passages from the Apostle Paul's writings and we label him as a sexist or a racist and we write him off. We wouldn't want those rash judgments to make on us as we seek to communicate. I've been studying very carefully the Apostle Paul's writings in my personal reading. He is enormously compassionate and caring. The more I see a heart full of compassion and care as he navigates through some of the most tough issues that he's navigating for the church and culture. Folks, we need to read the Bible carefully. And I'm amazed at the teachings of this great person of the faith in the sacred word of God. It's a remarkable passage. Look what he calls us to be, the kind of people we ought to be. We need to be ready to strengthen the church of Jesus Christ. This church, our Roseville Covenant Church, 
How can we make this happen? Let me start by saying this statement. We can't make it happen. What the Spirit of God does in our midst is far more important than any one of us. Any one of our efforts, any one of all our works, we do our part. But I am convinced that it's what the Spirit of God does that makes all the difference in the world. I can't control that. I realize how much little control I have in what really happens in the life of this church even though I'm a lead pastor. Because the real dynamic that happens happens when the Spirit of God empowers us and we become deeply dependent people, people of prayer for the ministry and the life of this church. This great passage of the Apostle Paul, there's a calling of unity. As prisoners of the Lord, I urge you, he says, I urge you, to live a life worthy of your calling you have received. Folks, every one of us, by virtue of Christ, is called to follow him and called to ministry. It's not just for professional Christians or some elite status within the the, the body of Christ, which there is no such thing, because we are all, every one of us, equally called by Christ. Our lives should match our Christian vocation. What we profess should match the best we can our practice. Although the Apostle Paul wrote his letter of Ephesians in prison, he's not simply referring to his literal captivity. Paul, even if he was free, he still is a prisoner of Christ and as a member of Christ's church. As we all submit ourselves to the Savior, we are then compelled to live a life that reflects a unity in him. Jesus modeled that. As he gave his life, he humbled himself to be human and died on the cross as sacrificial service for us. There's a calling we have. There's a calling on all of our lives to follow Christ in our arenas, in our life. But there's also a character of unity, and this is so critically important. I think character is first, always first. We are called to be completely humble and gentle, patience, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort, he says, difficult and turbulent at times, but make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Paul highlights the character traits of a person who leads a life worthy of the calling that we have received. Folks, we need people of humility, gentleness, patience, Forbearance or tolerance are all qualities that require us to consider others above ourselves. Each of these traits may be viewed as weakness in the eyes of culture, but in fact they call for inner strength given by the Holy Spirit when a Christian community decides to live out these virtues together. Needs are met and peace is realized. We're not called to be right. We're called to be righteous in our character. Unity is the reconciliation of our differences. The best model, of course, is the early church in Acts 2. And finally, there's a case for unity that he makes in this wonderful passage. There's one body, one spirit, one calling, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Father of all. In the Greco-Roman culture of the day, there were many gods. Pick your God. Not so in the Christian church. We have one unified triune God as we recite in the creeds who is Lord of all. And the church obeys one spirit. We're one body, one spirit. There's many voices, but we're riveted by one voice 
which is the voice of Jesus and the working of the Holy Spirit. The church lives in light of one hope, the hope we have in this life as we navigate life with Christ. It's our hope, but the hope of an eternal home that's real. In one baptism, in the waters of baptism, we confess the one faith and become part of Christ's church. We honor Christ in this place as he's placed in our lives, the, the, the wonderful privilege of being united. The story is told of a little child in an African tribe who wandered off into the thick grass and could not be found, although the tribe searched for one day, you can imagine. The next day, all the members of the tribe held hands and walked through the grass together. This enabled them to find the child, but he could not survive the cold night. In her anguish, the mother threw tears, and the mother cried and said, if only we had held hands sooner. Our world needs a church to hold hands again, walk together to find that which is lost, bring hope where there is void, and light where darkness prevails. Amen.